Hey guys, welcome to Rihanna's Lens, where I interact with you about the components in the STEM field and introduce you to fascinating people who passionately inhabit the scientific and technical frontiers of our society. My name is Rihanna Malhotra and I'm absolutely elated to share this podcast with all of you. Now, I know it has been a while, but I'm back with an extremely interesting episode. So, it's a well-known fact that everybody wants to look good. And in many places in the world, that means thin. But there's a problem. We're eating more calories than we should. Obesity rates in the world have soared. And this has fueled billion dollar industries such as best-selling books, frozen meals, membership programs, powders, pills, the list is endless. And they all claim to hold the secret to the one and only weight loss. But we haven't found the secret yet. Dozens of studies have found that most people only lose a little bit of weight and then they just often end up gaining it right back. So why do so many of us keep dieting? And why do these diets fail? In a survey, it was said that people roughly averaged five diets over the course of their lifetimes. And for women, it was seven. There are plenty of diets to choose from. New ones are coming out all the time, claiming to be on the cutting edge of scientific research. But for the most part, it's just the same diets coming back again and again. And often, their claims aren't really supported by science. For instance, ketogenic diet, And the original Atkins diet claimed that by cutting carbs, dieters could eat even more calories and still lose weight. Studies have found that that's not the case. And the paleo diet? Our paleolithic ancestors didn't even actually eat that way. There's lots of evidence that all they ate was grains. Then there are diets that are based on your body, like eating according to your blood type. Only there's no rigorous scientific evidence to prove that one either. Science has long rejected the concept of detox because our bodies have evolved to do a great job ridding us of these harmful substances all on its own. Diet supplements, particularly in the form of pills, are barely regulated, so manufacturers don't even need to prove that they are effective. And then there are low-fat diets. But just because you see low-fat on the label doesn't mean that it's actually healthy. It could be packed full of sugar and calories. But when it comes to low-carb and low-fat diets, there's no shortage of conflict. In 2018, Dr. Christopher Gardner and his team at Stanford University created a study. 
they recruited about 609 volunteers with 15 to 100 pounds of weight to lose and then they randomly assigned them to either low fat or low carb diets for one entire year the results they were virtually identical some people did lose a lot of weight but most did not so why do diets work for some people and not for others there's one simple answer diets don't work for most people because they can't stick to them yet many of us still see that as a personal failure and that's partly because of how diets are marketed as drastic weight loss that's easy and achievable an approach that dates back to 1863 when a british mortician named william banting published the first blockbuster diet book banting's letter on corpulence addressed to the public was a 16-page effectively low carbohydrate diet plan and then the book became an instant best seller across much of europe people started using the word banting itself to mean dieting but for most of our history being overweight was the exception it was just not the norm meals had to be farmed and prepared just eating enough food took a lot of effort but in the west that all changed after world war 2 transportation systems got better production systems got better and companies were able to make foods that were in boxes and had longer shelf life and people loved them cuz they were just so convenient the classic processed food is what happens to whole grains when you turn whole grains into white flour you remove the outer layer of bran and then you remove the wheat germ that's where all the vitamins and minerals and fibers are the solution put those vitamins and minerals right back in and many consumers who had never heard of these nutrients before now connected their presence in these new foods with health and so the modern dieting industry was born metrical was a canned protein shake containing 225 calories in 14 different flavors fortified with vitamins and minerals it was a sensation Tradervix began offering a 325 calorie liquid lunch. The upscale department stores released a purse flask for every secret metrical drinker. The Senate restaurant offered it on its menu, and even JFK was known to be a fan. But the metrical drinking craze came to an end. By the early 1980s the company stopped making them partly because drinking a chalky tasting shake instead of meals is hard for people to sustain and partly because it was so overtaken by the rise of other diet fads and this is the bind we are still in 
The dieting industry pushes us to cut calories while the food industry primes us to eat more of them. Everything changed with the increase in body weight that occurred in 1980s. Policies were changed for subsidizing agriculture and gave farmers incentives to grow as much food as they possibly could. Food got cheaper and we ate a lot more of it, particularly between meals. In the late 70s, 28% of the people ate two or more snacks a day. But by the mid 90s, it climbed up to 45%. Now that the weight loss was an urgent public health issue, government started pouring money into research which led into a new scientific understanding as to why dieting is so hard. A reality TV show, The Biggest Loser, was so absurd and unique because for the very first time, we could study people who were losing enormous amount of weight, more than 130 pounds on average over seven months. And these people started off with the most severe forms of obesity. So we've been using the word obesity a lot. What exactly is it? Obesity is defined as a body mass index or BMI of over 30. This is the class the biggest loser contestants belong to. Those contestants were studied for six years after the competition. And guess what? They regained about two thirds of the weight they had lost on average. One of the surprises was that their metabolism slowed down much more than you would expect. So what is metabolism now? Well, it is basically the energy required to keep your cells and tissues alive. The foods we eat is the source of our energy. The majority of that energy is 70 to 90% which is used exclusively for bodily processes like digestion, keeping our heart beating, our hair growing, and so on. But not for walking, biking, or jogging. Physical activity is great for muscle tone and overall health, but it just doesn't burn as many calories. And after working out, people tend to eat more calories, which also doesn't help. Losing weight isn't just a question of willpower. Our bodies are actually pretty resistant to weight changes, especially when it's dropping. And then there's leptin, a hormone that signals to the brain how hungry you are. A number of studies have found that leptin levels are lower on people who have just lost weight. On top of that, there's another aspect to our bodies and our dieting that we can't really control. Our genes. That doesn't mean your weight is determined by your genes but certain genes make it more likely that you'll be overweight within a given environment. 
our genes may not have changed much, but our food environment has. High calorie processed food is now often cheaper and easier to get than healthy food, especially in low income areas. For centuries, we had to grow and cook our meals and that knowledge was passed from parent to child. Urban farms are trying to bring that back for the newer generation. With so many forces outside our control, our environments, our genes, dieting can feel hopeless. But let me assure you, it is not. Remember that Stanford study? The emphasis it placed on eating whole foods did lead to weight loss. And while some whole foods can be pretty high in calories, they're typically more nutritious and more filling, so you're less likely to lapse. By not focusing on counting calories, but by focusing on lowering carbs and fats, they actually reported achieving a higher 500 calorie deficit per day. And that is the key to successful dieting. Find the diet you can stick to, so it's no longer diet anymore, it's just the way you eat. For much of human history, we have lived in communities on the razor's edge of food scarcity and famine, dreaming up magical lands full of easy, delicious eating. The irony today is that many of us over-inhabit that magical land where we can eat as much as we want, wherever we want. Only in this version, we are still struggling. But diets can work. You just have to eat fewer calories and sustain it. There's no one magical diet that helps everybody do that. It literally just comes down to this. Just as our parents have always told us. You eat fruits and vegetables. And don't eat too much junk food, but balance your caloric intake with the kind of activity levels you have. Try to eat unprocessed food to the extent you can. It's just not any more complicated than that. You can achieve your diet plan. And all you have to do is believe in yourself. Well, that's it for today. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of my podcast. This podcast is now available on YouTube, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Breaker, Google Podcasts, and all the other listening platforms. Make sure you subscribe and stay tuned for more.